Where's the darkest place you've ever been? Now think about that for a minute. The darkest place you've ever been. Maybe it was during a storm when the electricity was out and the darkness just seemed to envelop you until you got a candle lit or found the batteries uh, to put in the flashlight because the batteries were all dead in all the flashlights. But uh, maybe it was looking out the window of an airplane flying over the ocean. That's pretty dark, even though there was light inside the airplane, dark out there. About sitting in the garage, you've pulled in, you close the garage door, but you're still sitting in the car, and then that light that's with the garage door opener clicks off, and you're sitting there in the pitch dark. Yeah, have to turn your headlights on or use your cell phone or something. It's pitch dark in here. Maybe you were touring a cave like Mammoth Cave down in Kentucky, and they the tour guide wanted to demonstrate what darkness was really like, so he turned off all the lights. And it's just this odd feeling, this very uneasy feeling, an eerie feeling of being in the dark. Sometimes when I have a car or a van full of passengers and I'm on a country road or an area that's dark and deserted, I enjoy surprising my riders by turning off the headlights. Now, just for a moment, but to show them how dark it is out there on that country road, then I quickly turn them back on, and I'm usually still in my lane in, in the road, but my wife is especially fond of those experiences when I do that. The kids will say, Papa, do it again, but the adults don't like it too well. We've all experienced real darkness when the sun was not shining and no lights were on, and we were wandering around trying to find our way. We've also experienced times of darkness in our lives when we were overcome by sadness, loneliness, despair, or fear. There are times when hope seems to be gone, and it just seems like we're surrounded by the darkness. But think back with me to the first verses of the book of Genesis, the creation story, the first book of the Bible. In fact, Genesis 1, 1 to 3, in the beginning... God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form and void, and darkness was on the face of the deep. Now, I know God was the only person there, but he also was the only one that could see in that darkness. But it says everything was dark, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters, and God said, let there be light. The first words recorded to come from the mouth of God, let there be light. There must be something very important and very special about light because it says, and there was light. All God had to do was speak, let there be light, and there was light. And later it says, and it was good. It's good to be in the light. God said, let there be light, and there was light. God is vitally concerned with bringing light to our lives. He wants us to walk in the light. He wants us to have a personal encounter with the light. He knows that light is good, and He has designed His world so that light always conquers darkness. If there is just one little light, one ray of light, one flicker, one beam, one glow, then it is no longer completely dark. You might say, it's really dark in here, but it's not. If there's even one gleam of light, it's really not 
dark. Darkness cannot overcome light. You can't go in a, a, a room of lights and say, I'm going to bring some darkness in here and overcome all these lights. It doesn't work that way. You bring a light into the darkness and the light overcomes the dark. Light always wins. But the problem is, the Bible says men love darkness rather than light. That really sounds strange, doesn't it? Why would anybody like the dark? But it says men love darkness rather than light. We're going to look at that scripture in a minute. But before we get to that, let's look at the first several verses of John chapter 1. We don't normally think of these verses of being part of the Advent season or the Christmas story, but it really is. You know, uh, Luke starts his gospel with uh, the life of John the Baptist and the birth of Jesus. Matthew starts his gospel with all those begats, and so does Luke. Uh, Mark doesn't give us a whole lot about the Christmas story. He just kind of jumps into the life of Jesus and his ministry. But John starts out in a very strange way. He doesn't tell us about the birth of Jesus, but he gives us more background than that. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him, all things were made. Through who? Through the Word, capital W-O-R-D. In Greek, it's the word logos. L-O-G-O-S is how we spell it in English, even though it's Greek letters. And from that, we get the word logo. Every company needs to have a good logo. It's the way of communicating. And the Word created all things. Through him, all things were made. Without him, nothing was made that was made. In him was life. And that light, life was the light of all mankind. Don't miss that. That life was the light of all mankind. Keep going. The light shines in the darkness and the darkness has not overcome it. I remember the first World Trade Center bombing, early 90s, not, not the 9-11-2001. Back in the 90s, there was a bombing at the World Trade Center, and they had to evacuate the building. And employees couldn't use the elevators, and so they were using the stairwells. But for some reason, even those emergency lights in the stairwells were not working. And people were trying to walk down Scores of flights, not hundreds, but scores of flights of steps in the dark, holding on to the handrail, feeling, and, and it was hordes of people trying to get down the, you can imagine the chaos and the hysteria. And I read a story that one man with his group going down a certain stairwell, the only light he could think of was he had one of those digital watches, remember that? And it had a light feature so you could read it in the dark. Most of the time you could read it in the daytime. But it had just a little face on it. And he, he took it off his wrist. He held it up and he pressed that light and said, follow me, folks. One little glimmer on the face of a watch eased the nervousness, the anxiety, and the hysteria of that group of people. They really still couldn't see the steps. But there was something about that light that calmed them down, and they were able to follow and make their way out. The darkness has not overcome the light. The light shines in the darkness. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to testify concerning that light, so that through him all, man, all might believe. Now, this is the gospel of John, but that's not the same John. 
The man who wrote the Gospel of John is the one we call the disciple whom Jesus loved. James and John, the two brothers that were disciples, the sons of thunder, the sons of Zebedee, John the Beloved, sometimes we call him. He's the one who wrote the Gospel of John, and he's talking about the other John, who was a relative of Jesus, the one we call John the Baptist. John himself was not the light. He came only as a witness to the light. The true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. He was in the world, and through him the world was made, but the world did not recognize him. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Children born not of natural descent, nor of human decision, or of a husband's will, but born of God. The Word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. One version says, he moved into the neighborhood. <laughs> you know, there's some people that move in your neighborhood you're not real happy about. In fact, they often say, there goes the neighborhood. But when Jesus, when the light of the world, when the Word himself moves into your neighborhood, that's a good thing. Do you have room for him? Not just next door, but in your own home. Do you have room for Jesus, the Word, the light? He can move into the neighborhood, and he made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, and that's about light. Glory always implies that there's light to be found. The glory of the one and only Son who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. The Word. He created everything. He sustains everything. And he came to dwell with us. Jesus left all the splendor of it. No, take that back. Jesus didn't leave heaven. God the Son left heaven and became Jesus on earth. Now we refer to him as Jesus all the time. But technically, theologically, in the beginning, there was God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. God the Father didn't look at God the Son and say, hey, Jesus, how's it going today? He wasn't Jesus yet. He was God the Son. Not just the Son of God. Get that right. He was not just the Son of God. He was God the Son. You say, Pastor Mike, does it make a difference? Oh, yeah. A lot of people will tell you, oh, yeah, I believe in Jesus. He was the Son of God. They would also say, and so are all of we. We're all sons and daughters of God. But Jesus was God the Son in human flesh. That's what the incarnation is. That's God becoming human. God taking on flesh. And he dwelt among us. He took up residence in our neighborhood. And so the light of the world came in to our world. Now, I think probably everybody here could quote John 3.16. You want to say it with me? For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. If we ask our Bible quizzers, the children to come here and quote that, they would say it in another version, and it would sound different, just a little bit, but the same gist is there. God loved us so much that he gave. That's the Christmas story, isn't it? God is the greatest giver of all. He's the giver of every good and perfect gift. He started the whole world giving because he gave his only son. I believe that's why we give at Christmas time, because we've received so much from him. It encourages us to be givers. And isn't it odd, the older you get, the more you like to give? <laughs> 
When you're a kid, you just want to get. You make that list, hang it on the refrigerator, send it to Santa in the mail, or tell, it, tell him your list when you see him at the mall. But the older you get, you realize it's so much fun to see the joy and happiness on their faces when they open the gift that I took the time to make or buy, that took all the thought process to put that together, and look at the joy on their face. And of course, if you're one of those ants that makes, you know, the knitted stuff and the ugly sweaters and all that, you're probably not going to see a lot of joy on anybody's face. It'll kind of be like, thanks. (laughs) You know, you need to read that body language. But usually, we love to give the older we get, the more we love to give. And God loved us so much that he gave his only son to pay the penalty for our sins. But don't stop with John 3.16. Do you know the context of John 3.16? Do you know what was going on in John chapter 3? A man named Nicodemus who was a religious leader, even one of those Pharisees, He had seen some things in the life of Jesus and in the ministry of Jesus that impressed him. And everybody was saying he was a heretic, he was blaspheming, uh, he he was some kind of fake, that, that he wasn't really from God. Nicodemus wasn't so sure, and so he came to Jesus at night, in the dark, right? He came to the light of the world in the dark and said, Jesus, I've seen some things about your ministry. I'm impressed with these miraculous works that you do. And I'm curious about what all this means. And Jesus said, remember, you must be born again. And Nicodemus said, what does that mean? How can a person who's already born and living be born again? And Jesus told him, we're not talking about another birth of the flesh. We're talking about a birth of the Spirit. And he went on through some other verses And then he got to John 3.16 and told Nicodemus, in the dark, God loved you and the world so much that he gave his only son, who happens to be me, so that you can have eternal life. And then he goes on, let's see verse after verse 16, what do we have? 17, for God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. And that that was good verses for a Pharisee. Because the Pharisees were always obsessed with the law and who was going to heaven and who was going to hell and how you had to toe the line. And and Jesus is telling Nicodemus, God didn't send his son to condemn the world. It's not about condemnation and rule keeping. It's about life, abundant and eternal life, about being saved. And so... Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe stands condemned already because they have not believed in the name of God's one and only Son. This is the verdict. Light has come into the world. He's telling Nicodemus this in the dark. Light has come into the world, but people love darkness instead of light because their deeds were evil. Everyone who does evil hates the light and will not come into the light for fear that their deeds will be exposed. But whoever lives by the truth comes into the light so that it may be seen plainly that what they have done has been done in the sight of God. Did you ever hear anybody tell you this when you were younger, or have you used this line as a parent? Nothing good happens after, when? After midnight. Nothing good happens after midnight. What are you telling somebody when you're saying that? 
You don't have any business being out there in the dark after midnight when the only thing that's open are the bars <laughs> and, you know, you're sneaking around. When are most crimes committed? Nighttime, in the dark. Men love darkness. It covers up their deeds, they think. But God brings everything to light. Men love darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil. But God has sent his light into this world. The prophet Isaiah, centuries before, had, had said the Messiah would come, that people who had been walking in darkness, even dwelling in the shadow of death, would see the light. God would reveal his light by sending his son Jesus to be the light of the world so that the darkness would be defeated and the light would win. Now think for a minute, what does light do for us? Sunlight. Sometimes even interior lights. What does light do, especially sunlight? Well, for one thing, it warms us, right? Without the sun, if we were a little bit closer to the sun, we'd burn up. If we were a little bit farther, we would freeze. God put the world in just the right place. And the light, the sunlight, warms our lives. The light glowing from a fireplace warms our bodies. Light brings warmth. Does Jesus bring any warmth to your light, to your life? He's the light of the world. Do you allow him to warm your heart and your life? Light also shows us the way. That's why we have headlights on our cars. That's why we use flashlights. That's why we put up those lights that are motion detected so that'll light our way. It shows us the direction to go. Jesus, the light of the world. Has he shown you the way? He does. He continues to show us the right path. Light causes things to grow. Without the sunshine, things won't grow. We even have lights in the last 40 years or so, plant lights that think, cause things to grow indoors. So the light is important for growth. Does the light of the world in your life helping you grow spiritually to be more like him? Light illuminates our minds. Sometimes we say, oh, the lights came on. Remember the cartoons? There would be a little light bulb above the guy's head. That meant he had an idea. His brain was working. The lights came on. Light illuminates our minds. Sometimes we say someone is enlightened or they have seen the light. Their mind was illuminated. When the light of the world, Christ, came into your life, did he renew and illuminate your mind? Sure he did. And the light brightens our attitudes. You ever hear people talk about having cabin fever? Or having trouble when daylight savings time ends, adjusting to the, the earlier darkness. It, it, sometimes we just talk about that, uh, what do they call it? Seasonal affective disorder. You ever heard of that? Sad. Seasonal affective disorder. Some people are just sad when the seasons change because there's less light every day. Later this month, we'll have the shortest day of the year. It'll be dark for about 13 and a half hours, and it'll only be daylight for about 10 and a half. The shortest day, the longest night. We need the light to brighten our attitudes. Those are things that light does. Is the light of the world coming to your life to brighten your attitude, to change your disposition so that you're more joyful and more hopeful? Has your life been brightened by the light of the world? Think about the lights of Christmas. 
The original light of Christmas was the star that guided the wise men on their journey. Of course, Jesus is the light with a capital L, the light of Christmas. But there was the star. There was the angelic choir that I believe lit up the sky for the shepherds. That's why they were so amazed and even afraid. There are the candles that we light at Christmas time. There are the decoration bulbs that we put on our trees or on our houses. And now we even have those light displays that are all synchronized and, you know, they go whirly around and show all this stuff on the side of our house or garage door. All these amazing lights and the neon lights of the stores that attract us into the Christmas sales that are happening. But in the midst of all those lights of Christmas, Jesus is the light of the world. Don't miss it. Our world can be very dark. We live in a country that is still racially and politically divided. In our world, there's terrorism, war, and unrest, abuse, crime, violence, poverty, immorality, broken relationships, hopelessness. Say, thanks a lot, Pastor Mike, for reminding us on a Sunday morning of all that despair. But God, (laughs) capital B, capital U, capital T, capital G, capital O, capital D, but God, God makes all the difference, and He has made a way, He has sent His Son to light the way for us. Now, that way that He lights for us may be straight and narrow. In fact, the Bible says it is. Narrow is the way, and straight is the way. But He sent His Son to light that path for us. He not only lights the way, He travels on the way with us, for He is the way. What better way to get there than to take the way? He is the way. And so we say with the prophet Isaiah, Arise, shine, for the light has come, and the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. And Jesus himself said it this way, I am the light of the world. Now, Jesus said a lot of I am's. He said he was the door, he was the shepherd, he was the bread, right? But think of this, he is the light of the world. He proclaimed that, I am the light of the world. And then before he went back to heaven, he said this to all of us, you are the light of the world. You are. I'm going away. And I'll still be the light, but I need lots of other lights to light my world. So let your light shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. You see, we have an assignment. Jesus, the light of the world, now sits at the right hand of God, and he has called every one of us to be lights in this world. Can you do it? Are your batteries a little low? Well, right here at the beginning of the Advent season would be a good time to get them recharged. Maybe you need to replace them all together. But most of us need a recharge now and then. Get those batteries charged up so we can be the light of the world that He's called us to be. Sharing His love, His light, His life, His hope, His joy, His forgiveness, His grace with everyone we can. Does the light shine from your life so that others see Christ in you? And don't ever forget this. If we walk in the light as He is in the light, 
We have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus Christ, His Son, cleanses us from all sin. This Christmas, let us commit ourselves to be lights that shine in darkness, to lift up Jesus, the light of the world. Our servers are coming to the table, and we're going to prepare our hearts for prayer and for communion. The Holy Spirit is in this place today, speaking to all of our hearts. He loves us more than we can imagine. Listen as I pray this prepared prayer that sets the tone for communion. And when we receive communion, folks, the altars are always open for you to come and pray. If your batteries need recharge today, if things are running a little low, if you haven't been letting your light shine for Jesus like you should, let Him shine on you anew today. Let Him light up your life, light up your Christmas, light up your spiritual journey so there's no doubt you're on the way and the way Himself is showing you the way. And then be willing to share His light and His life with those around you. Almighty God, to whom all hearts are open, all desires are known, and from whom no secrets are hidden, cleanse the thoughts of our hearts by the inspiration of Thy Holy Spirit, that we may perfectly love Thee and worthily magnify Thy holy name. And may we let our lights shine for Jesus the light of the world who is available to every person. We pray this prayer in the name of Christ our Lord. Amen.